0: Make that our prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, that is the desire of our hearts. We know that you are the potter and we are the clay. And we know that for us to um, experience the fullness of the blessings that you have for us, it will be found in our commitment and submission to your work in our lives. That you might fill us and mold us and shape us and make us into the likeness of Christ. Who died for us, who gave himself for us, who loves us. And our Father, we thank you so much as we get opportunity to hear the testimonies of changed lives. We are ever grateful and will continually praise you that you have chosen to rescue us and change us because you are a gracious and a loving God. And our Father, we pray that we might not have rebellious hearts that would fight against that divine love, but that we would cooperate and experience all that you have for us. For ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know that was a, a very... Sincere comment by Pastor Kelvin that he would rather be here than be at the Super Bowl today, but that 's only because the dolphins aren 't playing. If the dolphins were playing he wouldn 't have been able to say that quite as easily and i 'm um, by the way, open for anybody who wants to fly me down to the Super Bowl later on this afternoon, and I have uh, in some way tried to subtly help God to know which way i 'm leaning this afternoon and uh, Hopefully he will. Uh, hopefully he will choose well for uh, the good guys. Well, you know, um, as we've been uh, working our way through this live big series, it occurred to me that that um, in promoting uh, the lofty ideals that God has for us and in experiencing all that he wants us to experience, it is possible that that sometimes people come and, and they get discouraged by hearing that. I mean, you've been beat up perhaps all week long out in the world and, and then you come in here and Rick's telling you another, this is this great thing you you need to have and, and uh, the presentation can often seem like it's an either or, that, that you've got to be really up here with God or else you're really nothing and nobody and and so I'm at the risk of, of, of uh, discouraging you or the danger of that with a true Christian life experience, I, I realize there can be a lot of soul-searching comparisons that go on that may dislodge our confidence or our security in God. So I, I wanted to take a pause today and, and um, actually for the next per- perhaps couple of weeks or maybe three sermons, you never know how long ago, Pastor Johnny's going to do something tonight too, so it may go a bit. But, but questions might surface in your life. Like, um, why am I not as rich as it sounds like I should be? Uh, You talk about richness and contentment and in faith and in God and and in good works. Why am I not as rich as it sounds like I should be? Or why don't I treasure Christ above all things? Or why do I not fully live out the holy, the life, the, the light characteristics of the homeland? Why am I playing it too safe in some areas of my life? But well, why why do I want to be noticed and promoted to high positions and, and want everybody to, to notice that I'm Jesus' right hand man? Why, why is that in my life? I mean, I'm I'm not sure that 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 I'm experiencing the kind of live big thing that that Rick's been talking to us about. And and it's possible that you might get to the place where you ask this question, and instead of hearing this is what you can have, you might be hearing this is what I should have, and I don't and where does that leave me? I guess I'm snookered. Or worse than that, the question might surface in your heart. Maybe I'm not a Christian at all. Am I, am I a Christian? And um, so I want, to, I want to pause here in the, in the sort of the middle of this Live Big series and, and get uh, somewhat um, doctrinal with you and kind of teachy and not so preachy. And I don't have some Old Testament stories for you today. I hope you can... Can can hang in with me. But I think it's really time for us to, to dig into some serious doctrine about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and, and particularly in this area of, of filling with the Spirit. And, and um, I, I think it's important for us to regroup and, and prepare ourselves and anchor ourselves in some theology before we move any further in the proclamation and exhortation to live big before God. I don't want to leave anybody behind in some sort of wake of bewilderment or discouragement. Yeah, so, uh, the question stands then this morning... Uh, uh, ...questions about the whole live big concept. Is it an either or? If, if I'm not there, does it mean that I don't have God at all? That's, that's the question that we want to ask... ...and some of the questions we want to answer. And by the way, as I'm dividing this into a, at least a two-part series... Um, ...today you may get somewhat frustrated... ...because I'm only going to really tell you about the what... ...of the theology and not the how... ...of the theology, and I know that at any any given audience... ...it's like, get to the practical, tell us how... uh, ...how to with a few easy steps that I can be filled with the Spirit. Well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Pastor Jonathan is going to do some applicational work with us tonight... ...and and I'm going to do some more next week... ...and um, we'll talk about the how. But today, you really have to get a grip of the what. We have to get ourselves firmly, uh, our feet firmly placed... ...on the theology of the what about the filling of the Spirit and the Christianity and saved versus Spirit and what all that is. So in the either or, live big now or I'm not in kind of concept, I want to say to you as an introduction that in the matter of salvation, it's either in or it's out. That's in the area of salvation. And I, I want as a starting point to uh, to put up a verse for you that comes from Jesus' sermon to Nicodemus, whereby he really sets the the bar in terms of Christianity, in terms of salvation. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son, or in other words, trusts Jesus fully for forgiveness of their sins kind of belief, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life... ...for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus sets it as an either or. You either believe in the Son and have eternal life... ...or you do not. And you do not have life. You will not see life and God's wrath remains on you. You can't be partially born again. You either are... ...or you aren't. And and it's really important for us to make sure we we come back to this... ...and and, and pause at this moment... ...because the assumptions that we've been making in the Live Big series... ...is that you you can do this only on the basis of the fact... ...that you've come to know Christ personally... ...and that He's working in your life. And and I want to make sure that you understand the gospel. It's, It's that simple yet that profound. You need to come to the place in your life... ...where you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross... ...that you might have forgiveness of your sins... ...because you could not take care of your sins on your own... ...and that by believing on Him... ...that He has forgiven you of your sins... ...you can have eternal life. That's the gospel. And that's where Christ says it's an either-or proposition. You either are saved today... ...and you know it... ...or you are not. You can't be wondering... ...I wonder if I'm in, I wonder if I'm not. You either are a believer in Christ... Or you are not. And that's an either or reality. In fact. That becomes the live part. Of our live big. You can't live big. Until you have the live part. That you have the life of Christ. That's what's being proclaimed by the scriptures. You either have life or you don't. I.e. the life of Christ. But the big part of live. The live big. Is variable. There are degrees to that. There's a. A, a, a ...staging of that. There are levels of experience of that... ...and I want to talk to you a little bit more about that a little bit later. So you either are a believer or you are not. And, and, and beloved, this morning... ...everyone who's here this morning... I, the, ...the burden of my heart is that nobody in this room... ...would miss the grace of God... ...and His, his offer of salvation to you. Each one of you. We heard wonderful testimonies this morning. No one... Is too far away that God cannot reach them. And bring them to himself. And change their lives. And and I I trust that you will reach out and and receive what Christ offers to you. Forgiveness of your sins. And a relationship forever with God the Father. The starting point of a, a changed and transformed life. That's available to you today. Just ask Christ to come into your life. Right where you are. Not only that, but when you come to know Christ in salvation, you have all of Christ you will ever get. At that moment, there's a spiritual implant. In fact, in the same sermon, Jesus said to Nicodemus in John three thirty four, For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. So at salvation, we are converted to Christ. We we repent from the direction we were going, living our own way, trusting in ourselves, to turn to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. That's the repentance that has taken place that is salvation. We are converted to Christ. And so I, I trust that the mass of people here this morning would say, yes, that's me. There was a time in my life when I received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And I am a Christian. I, I don't doubt it. I know I'm a Christian. But, but this Live Big series has caused me to pause. Because I'm, I'm hearing about treasuring Christ above all things. I'm, I'm hearing about being rich in contentment and in God. And I'm, I'm hearing about not playing it safe, but, but trusting in God. I, I'm hearing about all of these things. And I'm just a little bit bewildered about what that really means and how that happens in my life. So I want to know what the connection then is between my salvation, the live part, and this live big stuff that you've been talking about. I want to understand that. I want to know what having the spirit without limit really means for me. So I want to talk to you first of all about your spiritual condition then this morning as you sit before me. Without doing anything except something significant like believing in Christ, but without doing anything except that, ...believing in Jesus Christ... ...what is your spiritual situation? If you were a brand new baby Christian today... ...if you just, even in this few moments... ...when I explained to you the gospel... ...and you asked Christ to come into your life... ...and you became a follower of Jesus Christ... ...what is your present spiritual condition... ...absent anything else that you've ever done? Well, according to the scriptures... ...these are some of the things. In Colossians 2.10 it says... ...and you have been given... ...fullness in Christ... ...who is the head over every power and authority... ...at salvation... ...you have been given everything you need... ...because you have the fullness of Christ... ...who is head over power and authority. Second 2 Peter 1.3... ...everything you need from the divine nature... ...for life and godliness... ...everything you need has been given to you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17... ...it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... ...he is a new creation... The old is gone. The new has come. You've been remade. You have a brand new engine in you... ...and it is big. It is immense. It is massive. That's the situation in your life. In um, Ephesians 1.3... ...praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ... ...who has blessed us in the heavenly realms... ...with every spiritual blessing in Christ... ...everything of Christ is available to you. Not only have you got a brand new... ...high supercharged powered motor inside of you... ...but you have been offered all the fuel you will ever need... ...to drive that motor... ...everywhere God wants you to go with it. According to John 1.16... ...from the fullness of His grace... ...we have all received one blessing after another. All of God's undeserved love is focused on you... ...as a follower of Christ... I don't know if you noticed some of the words there are in there. Fullness, made new, every spiritual blessing, fullness of His grace. The only way that we can pro- possibly describe your situation at the moment of salvation is fullness. Fullness. The fullness of God. Enough to get you into heaven. And you'll say, well, you know what? That's good enough for me. That's all I need. No, it's not all you need. It's all you need to get to heaven, but it's not all that God has in mind for you. If you were going to die this second, if you were going to get saved, and die the second after you were saved, then that's all you need. But, but most of us are left here to live tomorrow, and to live the next week, and live another month, or another decade, or another 50 years, whatever. Now what? What about this fullness of God? What's the connection with my life? In fact, um, What God wants for you is that you might participate in an enriched life, and that's what we're calling the live big life. He wants you to benefit from having Christ. You're to benefit from having this spiritual implant that has come into your life. You're to live in another world, in Jesus' world, in the kingdom of Christ. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is talking about the rigors and toughness of living, and... And, ...and what God wants to see happen in our lives... ...and what God is doing in our lives... ...when he writes to them in Second Corinthians chapter 4... ...and verse 8, and he says, we are hard-pressed. I mean, maybe some of you can, um, can relate to how, what Paul is writing here. Uh, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus... ...so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake... ...so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. God leaves us in these quandaries, in the struggle of life... ...and in doing that, people notice that that Christ's life is being revealed... In our lives, by how we handle the perplexities and the crushings and the distresses and all the challenges of life. It is there that Christ is at work in you. And so from salvation, that moment of salvation on, Christ is promising to be at work in you. That's what's happening here. At at salvation, we stand at the precipice or the edge of the promised land. And there's a choice to be made at that moment. Am I going to go on into the Promised Land? We talked about that a few weeks ago... ...when we talked about the rescue of Egypt... ...out of the slavery... And, and, ...and I'm sorry, I'm going to show disrespect... ...to this side of the room here again. This is going to be the slavery side. This is going to be the free side. No, you know what? I'm not doing that again. This is going to be the slavery side... ...and this will be the free side... ...if I can possibly remember. You were rescued out of Egypt... ...they were saved out of Egypt... ...out of slavery... ...and they were taken on a journey... ...to go to the to the promised land... ...where they would be invited to experience... ...all of the blessings... ...of having that freedom from Egypt. And so it is with our salvation... Christ saves us, gives us all the resident power of God... ...and then sets us and sets before us every spiritual blessing... ...every opportunity to experience the fullness of what it means to be full in Christ... ...and sets before us, will you go there? Will you journey there? Will you be filled with the Spirit or not? And it has, it, And what we do with all of that... ...which by the way we're going to talk about next week, not today... And I know that frustrates you, but that's what it's, the way it's going to be because I'm the pastor and I get to do that. But whether you're going to be a wilderness Christian, much of your life, or whether you're going to be a promised land Christian. That's what we're talking about here when we're talking about the live big realities. Are you going to be frustrated in your Christian existence? Or are you going to experience the joy of your Christian existence? Are you going to experience more defeat or mostly victory in your Christian experience? Is it going to be about insecurity? Or is it going to be about confidence in your Christian experience? That's the question. So we have this fullness from God at salvation. But we are not formed fully into the image of Christ at salvation. And God has given us so many physical examples of the spiritual realities of our lives. Another one is in creation itself, to get the idea of uh, what God is up up to. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, And in that whole scenario, God took what was formerly not formed and formed it, and what was unfilled and filled it. That's the creation work of God. It says the Spirit of God hovered over the work of creation. So that what was not formed is formed, and what was not filled is filled. And then God says, you, having come to know Christ, are a new creation. Whereby God now, by His Spirit, is forming what was unformed and filling what is unfilled. This is the theology of the filling of the Spirit. And so the behavioral expectation that God has for you... ...is to be formed. Formation. Uh, Actually, transformation. You were formerly conformated to the world... ...and you are now being transformated not words, but I'm just making them up as they go here... Into the, into the likeness of Christ, into a changed life. That's what we're talking about here. So I, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And this is the text that we're going to, um, to uh, weigh, uh, anchor ourselves... in terms of this theology. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 21. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Or, you know what Paul could have said to the Ephesians? Live big! That's what he's talking about here. Live big. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth... ...and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is, ashamed, is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret... But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up! Live big! O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. My behavioral expectation is formation. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The light, life, useful, holiness idea in evil surroundings in light of the days that are evil. The idea is we uh, fell short of the glory of God. That's, and then when we became Christians... ...there's a process now where we are now being able to glorify Christ... ...so that we no longer continue to fall short of His glory. That's the message, that's the, the intention of, of God. And He sets before us here get how, how one would get through life... ...in light of the, the days that are, that are upon us, the evil days that are upon us. It's almost as if He says... Either get drunk or get filled with the Spirit. Now, for those of you who have sensitive ears or just pick out little sound bites... ...do not take some sort of mp3 clip and say, here's what Pastor Rick said, get drunk. Because I'm going to deny that, I'm going to tell you that, that what he says here is... ...there's a contrast between those who live outside of God and those who live with Christ... ...and have this fullness of God in their lives... And I'll talk a little bit more in a few moments about what that really means as we break this down. But in in effect, what he's saying here is the full Christians, the fullness of God who are saved, must be filled, or what we call in theological terminology, sanctified, or filled with the Spirit of God. In in Ephesians 3.19, Paul completes his prayer by saying that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is winning power you have to succeed. Now, God, who has given you Christ's life by His Spirit, is now working to fully influence the mental, emotional, and volitional or will centers of your being until your behavior fully represents the full character of Christ and that you glorify God. That's a definition, frankly, of what God is doing from... The first moment after salvation, after he has given you every spiritual blessing, after he has given you all the, 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 the supernatural God power that you need, after that has taken place, this is what God is up to. This is what he is about. God is, and I've highlighted for you, God is now working until your behavior fully represents the full character of Christ. Until you live big, God is at work in your life. Uh, and salvation, we said, you convert to Christ. With Holy Spirit filling, you are converting to the values of the gospel. To become real in your life. The journey, by the way, to live big, is a journey that only the Holy Spirit can take you on and make happen. And we're calling that, the Word of God is calling that, filling. By the way, you learn that, that this filling and this reality... ...and all that we, we uh, participate in... Is, ...is how we present ourselves as living sacrifices. See, living sacrifices are exchanging the filling of themselves... ...for the filling of God. Before salvation, we were filled with ourselves. And then Christ, we turned to Christ and said, you know what I... That wasn't working. That's not working very well. And so we turn to Christ. And Christ comes and lives in us. But there is still a fair bit of residual selfism. Would you agree? And and so the journey that God is taking us on in this living sacrifice is to present myself to God that I might exchange my full of myself life for my full of Christ life. That's what's happening. So what we are really talking about here is taking theory and learning about the Christ life to experiencing the Christ life. That's what the Live Big series is talking about. It's talking about, we're talking about not surviving on truth alone, but applying the truth. That's why we call our, our, our group, our small group ministry, ACT. Applying Christ's truth. That's, that's what it is. We, we are taking the... It does no good if you sit here and say, well, thank you for telling me the theology of salvation. Thank you for telling me the theology of the filling of the Spirit. But, but it's all learning and knowledge and truth alone, but not truth applied. And and so the filling of the Spirit... ...is that where we take that truth that we have... ...and and God starts to apply it to our lives... ...so that we're different. In fact, um, Jesus was the one who taught his disciples... ...that this is what was was going to be coming. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and and, uh, on... ...it was at the last and greatest day of the feast... ...Jesus stood and said in a loud voice... If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said... ...streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit... ...whom those who believed in him were later to receive. The disciples did not have this spiritual implant. They had Jesus with them. Jesus was showing them how to live the gospel. When he left, he said that the Spirit of God... ...would move into people's lives... ...and from the inside out would transform you into being willing to receive and apply the values of the gospel to your life. That's what this is all about. Renovated from the inside out. The problem with legalism is it tries to renovate people from the outside in. Which is anti-scriptural. God has never ever said that you could work on yourself from the outside by yourself and you would become Christ-like. It's always been about you have received the Spirit of God. Now live in the Spirit of God. He will transform you from the, the value center from the inside out so that the external will now match what's going on inside. That's the beauty of what God is doing in our lives. Now by the way, The difficulty with which this will um, uh, embed itself in your existence and your experience... ...has a lot to do with your particular makeup. How flesh-dominated you are versus how Christ-dominated you are. In other words, how much you are still clinging to the slavery of the past... ...versus whether or not you are free in Christ. And understanding what that means. We are full of all the impact and divine energy needed... So we, we aren't, in the live big concept, we aren't asking for more of God. I, I want you to make sure you understand that. Because some people say, well, you know, he has more of God than I have. No, you all have all of God. If, you, if you're a follower of Christ, you all have all. That's not the problem. It has to do with whether or not you are fighting the filling influence of the Spirit of God in your life. Now, you remember I said to you that what this filling is all about... ...is that God is working on our emotional center... ...on our volitional center, which is our will center... ...and on our mental center, which is our thinking. That's what's happening. And depending on how strongly you are in any of those given areas... ...will determine how well you are hearing God... See, all of us here are representative of a strong tendency... ...in one of those three areas, or ho- possibly a combination. Hopefully not all three, or what can I say? You are either a highly charged emotional person. I mean, if you're a high emotional person... When, chaos, when, when, ...when situations come into your life, you just go chaotic. Ah, I don't know what to do. You stamp your feet, you run around, you start screaming and yelling... You're not listening to God. And the Holy Spirit blazes that say, says... Calm down, calm down. If you are... Um, a... Highly charged, volitional person... That means you are a strong-willed person. And every time you read in the scriptures... This is God's will... You just bristle. It's like... Ah... That's not how I want to do it. It's uh, different... And so you are fighting the will of God. Because you're a strong-willed person. You've been independent. That's the kind of person you are. I can fix things myself. I can take care of myself. Well, if you could take care of yourself, why did you become a Christian in the first place? Or you are one of these people who are the analytical, cognitive kind. The the mental makeup is really your high-charge area. So everything that you read about God or you, every theology that comes to you, you are always analyzing it. You want to write charts and tables. You want to look at it and, and, and see if you should do it. You, you, know, you basically have to say, God, i got to see this or I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. And so what we have here is, um, is, is, is the emotional person reacts. And their big challenge in life is to wait... ...on the Lord and hear Him. They are so busy freaking out... ...that they can't hear the Word of God. The uh, volitional or highly willed person... ...is the resistant person. And the resistant person has trouble obeying God. And Now, the the mental person... (laughs) the, the, ...the intellectual person... ...the person who's all cognitive and analytical... They struggle, they're they're sort of the kind who want to rethink everything about God, and and they have trouble trusting God. And and so we set ourselves up as fighting the transforming work of the Christ life in us, to varying degrees. And you're somewhere there. You already know, you don't jot it down because you don't want the person next to you to see it, but you already know what it is. And so the Live Big series, for all of us, becomes a diagnostic tool. Which helps us to see, well, where where am I? How far along am I in just fighting what God wants, or just freaking out, or, or just rethinking everything all the time? And by the way, all we're talking about in the Live Big concept is getting to the normal Christian life. You say, wait a second, come on. That's the elite thing. That's, that's for super Christians to live big... ...treasuring Christ... And, ...and being content in all things... ...and being full of faith... ...and, and, and uh, not, not playing it safe... ...but trusting God and trying situations. That's for the elite. That's, that's the abnormal. No, no. This is the normal Christian life. It really is. At least that's what Christ has in mind. That's why he always gives the either or stuff of... ...it's either live big or... ...live in slavery... ...which which is it going to be... ...because the normal Christian life... ...this is offered to all of us... ...each of us can have this... ...this is not just for super Christians... or, ...or missionaries... ...this is for everybody to have... ...to become full of Christ in the Spirit... ...be filled in the Spirit... And so, uh, by way of conclusion, let me just summarize quickly the the, the text of Ephesians 5. Fortunately, we have next week and next week after that if we need it. Who knows? But in this particular text, I want to zero you in on verse 15. And I want to point out that verse 15 to verse 17, our bookend is a bookend. And the other side, verse 19 and on... ...is the other side of the book end to verse 18. And that's where it goes in this text. So Paul writes them and he says... ...be very careful then how you walk... ...not as unwise but as wise... ...making the most of your time because the days are evil. This whole thing is predicated on the time that you live in. He says life is hard, life is a hassle. It's not helpful in bringing you to a place of live big before God. So don't look around at the world and the things of the world and the former ways you live and think those are going to help you with live big. Because the days are evil. It's not going to help you. And, you shut, and as a Christian, you need to make the most of your time. Be opportunistic. Don't waste a single moment after salvation. Every moment from then on. Don't waste any of those moments. God is wanting to grow you into something fantastic that will, that will um, uh, glorify Jesus Christ. And so he says that, and he says, don't, don't waste any of that. Uh, and, and by the way, he says, this is a, this is a walk. Be, be careful how you walk. How you live, but not as long making the most of every opportunity... ...because the, the days are, are, are evil. In the, in the New American Standard, it talks about where live is... ...in, in your uh, verse 15, is, is a walk. It's a journey. that You don't come in here and get zapped. And A, hey, am filled with the Spirit. It, it's not some sort of ecstatic experience... It's not some sort of mystical, mood-altering manifestation. It is the, the, the act of willingness to engage in a wise and opportunistic journey with Jesus from here to eternity. That's what we're talking about. That's why God could say of Caleb, he had a different spirit about him. A wholeheartedness, Numbers 14, verse 24. And if you do, if, if you understand the nature of how important this is... ...then he talks about what the behavioral results you can expect... ...at the end of the journey. He says here you're going to... Uh Speak to one another in psalms and hymns. You're going to make melody in your heart, singing spiritual songs. You're going to be thankful in all things. And and, and you're going to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands are going to love their wives, and wives are going to yield to their husbands. And children are going to obey their parents, and parents are going to love their children. And slaves are going to obey their masters, and masters are going to treat their slaves really well. And you're going to be people with dynamic power, and you're going to be people of prayer. Is anybody interested in that? So this that has been made available to us is spectacular. With great results. But there's a command to make all of this happen. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Growing up, I heard a whole lot about don't be drunk with wine. Don't you be drunk with wine. ...don't you go off to university and start to become a drunk. Don't you go off to university and and do worldly ways. I don't remember the church saying very much to any of us... ...be filled with the Spirit. Why is it that we are less passionate about telling each other... ...and expecting of each other this command of filling with the Spirit... ...than we are about bad worldly behavior... The bad worldly behavior is just a foil that Paul sets up to help us understand the greatness of following Christ. But nevertheless, we have skewed and said, well, I I like the first part of this verse. I'm sure going to proclaim the first part of this verse and insist upon it. I want to tell you that I think we must insist as a church upon us all being filled with the Spirit. We must insist on it. Because it's an imperative. It's a command. And there are a lot of comparisons set up here. It basically, it's kind of amazing what Paul does here. He says, Look, at the, the, the days are rotten, the days are tough, the days are evil. Now, how are you going to deal with trouble? And how are you going to deal with your relationships? Are you going to choose what the world does every weekend? Just buries all the troubles with substance abuse, gets drunk? So they can forget their troubles for a little bit of time and have some goofy time with friends. Isn't that what other people are doing around you? Isn't that what it's it's all about? It's live for the weekend to get drunk. Or he says, would you prefer to have God manage the trouble in your life and, and, and cause your relationships to blossom? Which influence do you want in your life? The influence of alcohol? Which leads to destruction or the influence of the spirit that leads to life and light and glory. That's what he sets up for you here. Which do you want? It's an imperative. This verb is a present passive imperative. saying at the end of a sermon, don't give us any grammar. Alright, we've already heard enough. We're, We're winding it down. We're looking at our watches. It's just about lunchtime. This is no time for a grammar lesson. I'm sorry. Again, pastor, privilege, I get to tell you. Of course, you don't have to listen. But you should. This will set us up for the next next weeks. Set us up for Pastor Johnny tonight. Present passive imperative. Present literally means keep being filled with the Spirit. It's a daily journey. It's a daily reality. Momentary reality. It's passive in that we can't do it. You're saying, wait a second, I thought next week you told us there was going to be a how-to lesson. Yeah, there's going to be a how-to lesson. We have some involvement, but this is passive. Keep being filled by the work of the Spirit, which we will talk about. You're full but not guaranteed filled any day. that's why Jesus said, But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The Spirit is both the giver and the gift. And so you must put effort into allowing yourself, and we'll talk about this, to come under the influence of God's Spirit, and there are strategies for that, or you will automatically resort to old slavery strategies of the past. ...substances... ...self-effort... ...sinful props from the past... ...outbursts of rage... ...fighting back... ...getting even... ...running away... ...wanting your own way... ...playing it safe... ...shrinking back. That's the deal. Because life is tough. Paul says, how are you going to handle it? So that at the other end of it... you got joy... ...you're singing your melodies in your heart, you're thankful, you love the people around you, you have relationships that are clicking on all cylinders. It's possible. It's not only possible, it's expected. It's expected and available to every Christian. And with this, I'll close. I'll just share an illustration and Pastor Steve will just even forget about the the song unless you've got a really great one for us. Do you have a really great one for us that was just like burning in your heart? <laughs> they are all great, that's true. Let me, let me just give you an illustration to, to send us on our way because it, it is late. This glove is going to represent a person. And it's representing a person before they came to Christ. Before you came to Christ, you were just dead in your trespass and sins. It's, it's virtually useless. Okay? But when you came to know Christ, when you were converted to Christ, it says that Christ moves into your life like that. Okay? Now, that's what you look like at the moment of salvation. This, you're now, you got something, you got your got fullness, your fullness of Christ. The question of the day is what's going to happen after that how are you going to live now that you have everything that you need all the power that you need you can't get more of God, you've got all that you need what are you going to do with each of the emotional center of your life, the volitional center of your life, the intellectual center of your life, the walking the talking, is it going to be the old patterns or is your hand now going to move according to the will of God. When your wife locks the keys in your car, what is your hand going to look like? Is it going to be like, I can't believe this! When the kid breaks your bowling trophy, what's your hand going to look like? It's going to be like this. I'm going to kill that kid. When someone in the congregation disses one of your kids, what's your hand going to do? That? See, that's what the filling of the Spirit is all about. When we came to know Christ, He moved into our life and makes us useful, holy. Now, it's what are we going to do after that with this holiness of God, this resident power? Will we use our lives as a glorification of Jesus Christ? That's the question. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for your amazing love for us. Thank you that you have not only saved us and placed your spirit in us, And have given us everything we need for life and godliness. But you intend to cause us to be willing to respond to the transforming work of the Spirit of God. That we might be live big people. So Lord, um, I pray that as we continue to move through this series. That we will understand where the high bar is. And we will understand what we have. And we will believe with confidence and security that we can have all that you ask us to be. By being people who are filled. By the people who are by being filled day by day with the Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name.